for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Everywhere I go, I have it in my mind, I'm going to learn something. I don't care how much I know something. I don't care if I'm teaching somebody something, I can learn from the people I'm teaching. And if you understand that, that one little thing, and you just keep adding it to what you have, and it just puts the pieces of the puzzle together. And sometimes when we're reading, we can skip through a sentence and get nothing out of it because we're getting so much out of the two or three behind it. And it's that one sentence that I'm reading over and I kind of didn't put thought into it. it. Does that happen to some of you? And then somebody else will enlighten you on that one sentence and you're like, oh, I've just always kind of read over that one sentence. And that's what I do sometimes when different people will kind of talk about different things that has helped me. So this parable, I'm going to go over it and read it. If you want to follow along with me on John 10, 1 through 6, um, this is the parable of the sheepfold. And, um, and then I'm just going to kind of go over and explain some things that I've kind of learned. Um, so it's verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the, st- the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow them, follow him. For they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then Jesus said unto them again, verily, verily. So again, it's like saying verily twice. This is important when you hear him say verily, verily twice. And he's like, okay, I'm going to explain it again. Listen, (laughs) okay. I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go out in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for steal, to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd give his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own sheep there are not, seeing the wolf come, he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches him and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and not caring for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And am known of mine, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. In the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So, we know Jesus is the door. But I want to explain to you, I mean, I didn't know what a sheepfold looked like. And so I started, like I say, I was looking on YouTube and then online, and it was like a real big rectangular, rectangle, and sometimes they made it out of stone, just wall, and then sometimes they made it out of branches, and I thought it was kind of unique because it wasn't just like branches they cut off the stems from. The branches were all going out, so it's like branches with just the leaves off, branch after branch all the way around, so it was kind of interesting fence, but you can see that it's also used for protection from them not to maybe rub against it and try to go out or anything else to come in. So it's this big rectangle, and then there's an opening, but there's no gate. I mean, how often do you see any type of animal, anything, and there's no gate? And that's what a sheepfold is. And the gate is the shepherd. 
just like I was telling you last week, he puts the sheep at night in a cave, and then he puts all kinds of rocks and stones around it, but he leaves an opening, and then he's the gate. He lays down right there. No sheep can come out, and no wolves can, or beasts can come in without going through him, and that's what he means by he lays down his life for the sheep. So it's the same thing in the day when he goes to the sheepfold, and uh, basically it's like you know a resting period. Maybe even when the shepherd's getting his uh, his rest, you know, when you study sheep, you wonder, you know, no wonder why David was so good with a slingshot, the time that they had, so good with music, sang so many songs, wrote, wrote so many psalms. You know, it's it, it's just him and God out there in the nature with his sheep. You know, and you have all of this time. But, you know, it's like your children. You get to know them. He knows them by name. You know, this is Jesus saying, I know you by name. And each one answers to him. And it's just interesting. So he stands there. And I mean, I was watching one YouTube, and um, the shepherd is just standing there. I mean, you're talking about just standing there in the daytime, just standing there being the gate. (laughs) It's just, I don't know if we'd see that anymore, you know. I don't know if that's past history or but that's what they did. And then at night, I mean, you can see at night maybe laying down, but just standing there during the day and you're the gate. Um, or, and so basically he calls himself the door. So we think of Jesus as the door, you know, the only way to get into the sheepfold is through Jesus. You're not going to get to the Father, and we all know that, unless you go through Jesus. What's interesting and... Um, I, I was listening to Derek Prince, that's who it was, and he had said, okay, so up there where it says, and the porter openeth. Well, Jesus is calling himself the door. He's not the porter. Somebody else is opening that gate, okay? So I thought that was real interesting because, um, he, and I agree with him, he says he thinks that's the Holy Spirit. Okay, because, you know, we can see the Trinity in anything if you really look. When you look in scriptures, you can see how God speaks with the Trinity, how they're in unity, and there's movement with the Trinity in everything that's done. And when he was saying that, I I thought, yes, because um, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So... You are chosen. God's choosing you. And then it's the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, the angels that bring you in to Jesus, right? So they're bringing the sheep in and not the wolves in. You get that? It's only the sheep that are invited in there. And then, of course, once you, you know, give yourself to God, then you can enter the sheepfold once you've given yourself to Jesus And now he's your shepherd, but he can't be your shepherd until you walk through the gate. So that's like a born-again believer. We're walking from the world, and now we're walking into the kingdom. And this was so interesting to me because it's not going to be done without the Holy Spirit, is it? And I never caught that before, that the porter, you know, I just never caught that little thing. Uh, You know, you have to kind of sometimes study to realize that someone else is involved there. So then... When you realize um, what Jesus says, like John, John 5, 19, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatsoever things he does, these also does the Son likewise. 
So Jesus doesn't do anything except he's, what he's hearing his father, okay? To me, he's the perfect servant. He follows no matter what the father is saying. But where is he bringing him into? He's bringing him into his father's kingdom, isn't he? So it's the father that owns the land. It's the father that owns it all. Jesus is the gate, and the Holy Spirit has helped bringing them in. So I just thought that right there was a revelation to me. And when you start realizing it, you can take scriptures and you can find the Trinity. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor was speaking about um, the gifts of the fruit, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And you have three revelation gifts, three speaking gifts, and three power gifts. So you're going to find the, the Trinity. And whatever you're looking for, it's going to be there in Scripture. And sometimes we can just find it in our life. If you start looking, we just need to find God and the purposes and the reasons for and what we're doing. So then there's the hireling. And, um, you know, the hireling is considered like a hired hand, right? And, the, you know, Satan can come as the angel of in light. Now, we know that the Scripture is talking about, you know, Satan, I come to still kill and destroy. But we need to understand it can be so many things coming as it can be your best friend talking to you that maybe is not a believer. Okay? And this is somebody that you love and you've been talking to, and you can easily be led astray. Do you see that? Just wandered off a little bit. Um, it's not like your best friend's trying to kill you. Your best friend may not be a believer, and their only way to help you is not a godly God's will. Do, do you see how that is? So the enemy will use man, just like God uses man. I mean, it can be, you know, any type of person. It could, be, it could be a pastor that's taking words out of the truth or adding words to it. And we are so blessed that we, have, you know, we sit under a man that speaks the truth, right? But that doesn't happen everywhere you go. And, and sometimes that would be like a hireling. That would be somebody that it's not... You know, some people have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have the care, right? They don't have the love behind it. So when something happens, they're out of here, <laughs> right? I'm sure we all know people that, you know, they want to be in charge of something, but when there's a problem, they're gone. It's not the people they're caring about, you know. It's some people do things for other reasons. Uh, and, and sometimes we have to kind of sit back and watch and, and put our life into perspective of what he's trying to tell us. Uh, John seventeen twelve. While I was with them in this world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be filled. This is another scripture I put in there to show you that uh, it's the Father that's choosing them. You know, the Father told Jesus who to pick, right? He told them who, what disciples and what to, to do, and the only reason he let any of them go is he had to fulfill the scripture. And it's the only reason that one of them got lost, okay? And I, I just love that scripture because that scripture makes me just think of him holding, holding us all in his hand and not letting go. You know, to me, that's a scripture I hold on to, <laughs> to know, you know? So to me, it's like a full circle the way uh, you can see that the Father, you know, the Father is speaking out what he wants. The Holy Spirit's bringing him in. And then to Jesus is bringing him back to him. To me, I see a full circle there. Um, and like I told you before, full circles can mean a lot. And if you watch, you're going to see circles in the Bible like that a lot. And then there's something else up here at the top, and they shall go in and out and find pasture. Okay, so 
You brought them into the kingdom, but now you're telling them they can go in and out. That scripture, I mean, I'm telling you that for a few little words right there. I'm like, I've really never understood it. I, I'm like, okay, they're going in and out, but you brought them into the kingdom. And the reason I didn't understand it is because I know we can walk in and out of the kingdom and that Jesus is a door. And I tell the guys at the park all the time, you're using Jesus as a revolving door. You know, when you're listening to somebody and you're in the world, you walk into the kingdom. And then, you know, a few minutes later, I mean, you've been to the park. I mean, we leave and what are they doing? They're selling drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same guys that were praising with us a few minutes earlier. And it's like they're walking in and walking out. And this door just needs some grease, you know. But this is, the, this is Jesus saying you can go in and out of the pasture. Do you see that? And then Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pasture. He makes you. Okay, so we understand that we got a sheepfold of protection. I kind of look at that as the fortress, you know, like under God's wings, our refuge, right? But just like the sheep, they have to go out to eat to grow, don't they? We have to do the same thing. You know, we are of this, in this world, but not of this world. But because we live in this world, we have to go out and eat. When we come here to get fed at church, we all have to leave and go to our worldly jobs, uh, it doesn't matter where we go out shopping, wherever it is, we're, we're out in the world because we're in this world. We still have to know how to live in the kingdom inside of us, but we still have to grow and adapt to the world, correct? And do you remember last week when I was telling you, well, some of you weren't here, but God gave me this little visual of a ball on like a track. And he told me that that ball cannot go up without going down first, okay? So basically, he's taking them out to the pastures, which is the world, and there can be danger out in the pasture, all right? And there's danger for all of us out there that we all trials, tribulations, learning experiences, whether it's good or bad, we learn from all experiences that we have, correct? So... If you look at it as, let's say, there's five mountains here, and you're climbing a mountain, you have to go through that valley to get to the next mountain, don't you? There's no other way to get there, all right? And then, let's pray to God that, you know, you're going to another valley. Let's hope that you're just going to Mount Everest by the time you're done, that your mountains keep just getting a little higher, right? But that we have to go through the valley to get to the mountain, and you're going to grow, and, and, in, and in the valley, that's where the green pastures are going to be. This is where you're going to grow from. And it, and it may, this is why it's so and so backwards to us. The trials, the tests, the experiences we go through in life is where we grow from. And it's up to you to keep growing, or it's up to you to live in the valley, because we have the free will to do this. It's up to us to whether we, and each time that you go through an experience, if you're growing from it, you're able to go through that kind of experience again a little easier the next time because you're growing from it. It all has to do with a really simple word of submitting. And it's such a simple word, but to me, in, in my mind, it's always kind of been like a, a uh, word. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, here it is again, <laughs> you know, when I read it. But when we're little babies, 
It is so easy for a very little child to submit because they're helpless. They can do nothing without their parents. And not only do they submit, but they want to submit. I mean, I have a two-year-old granddaughter, and she doesn't want to come off the hip of that mother. I mean, I don't care what's going on. She's plastered to that hip. (laughs) You know, we're like, when is she going to let go? Okay? It's... She wants to be there. Do you see? It's like the love, the attachment. She wants to be attached. Okay, but we teach our children to be independent and to grow, correct? And that's what God has to teach us, is to teach us to grow. But unfortunately, as we grow, if you think about it, all of a sudden we get some freedom, we can do some more things. And we grow to where we want to kind of pull ourselves away from submitting as we grow. And each adult, especially going through the teenage years, they want more freedom. You can't get enough freedom. What do you mean, a curfew? Are you kidding me? You know, I'm 16. I got my license. Don't tell me a curfew. This is, you know, it's like no submitting. But just like God has a hierarchy with angels, he has a hierarchy with everything because he has order. And we have so many that we have to submit to, you know, like, pastor in our church, uh, a teacher, uh, the law, our government, uh, parents. And it doesn't matter what age your parents are. It, it should be respect and a, a, a different... I mean, I, when I say submit, God doesn't just mean obey and follow everything they do. It's a, it, it's a heart. It's all about a heart, not just physical works. It's more about your heart and the love that you want to do than it is the works, because then we're going to get into works. But... It's what are you going to give up and what are you going to lay down? If you want to climb that next mountain, there's things that you have to leave down in the valley. And, you know, it can be envy. It can be jealousy, uh, lust of the flesh. And lust of the flesh, when I say that, uh, so many people think of it as like a pornography thing. But, I mean, lust of the flesh is anything your flesh desires. And to me, it's sweets. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I like sweets, okay? So, I mean, it's just, it can be anything that you're, your body is telling you, you know, it, it, and that's what God's trying to say. It can be any type of worldly desires, whether it's something you're trying to buy. Some people uh, try to, uh, I know when I was grieving, I kind of went on a shopping spree and I wasn't spending a lot of money because I was buying little things at thrift shops and yard sales, but I was trying to, I was hiding some pain <laughs> that I, you know, was just hurting and went with my sister to hide the pain of losing my mom. You know, it's just, It was a worldly thing, and I knew it was wrong. I just couldn't seem to stop. It was just I needed to be in the same town where she was and just do the same thing I did with my mom. You know what I mean? Just it, and that's what we do. It's a worldly desire. Do do you see that I, I wasn't laying down and I wasn't letting go of, Um, but the one that is one of the hardest ones to lay down is pride. And so many of us think that we don't have pride, but pride is very hidden and can be very, very subtle. It can be as, as simple as wanting recognition for th- things that you're doing, okay? Uh, not going along with something with God's will because you feel strong enough to do it on your own. And that's probably the most common thing. We're, we're trained to be independent, right, in the world, and it's nature. Like, you'll tell us, we want to be in control, right? We want to be, dom- God made us to, <laughs> to be dominating. And so it's, it's our nature to want to do this. So we have to fight the nature of our blood to say, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore. And, and it's just all part of pride. And it's probably the hardest thing 
that someone has to lay down to be able to do this. Um, 2 Corinthians, um, second, I'm sorry, yeah, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Uh, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that he might depart from me, and he said un- unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul is trying to say, first it's God saying, my strength is perfect in your weakness. This is why Jesus sends us out into the pasture to get weak so he can come out of us, so we can submit to him, so we can let go, so that he can take, we can take his hand to help us back up the mountain, okay? So we have to get to a point where we're dying to ourselves, and not just dying to the old man of who we were, but dying to the earthly man who it's born inside us, the dominating, the one, the one that wants to have a little bit of control, you know, of things that, that are your will, that are your will and your desires to really search for what is God's desire. What is what he wrote you in your book that's written in heaven for you right now? Do you want to live it? He has a book written about you before you were born. Do you want to, do you want to live that book? I would really like to live every page of what he wrote. But then sometimes there's things, you know, that I kind of want to do, you know? <laughs> You know, maybe I don't want to give up more time, you know. You know, I was down here telling God I want more, and he's telling me basically with that ball, how many valleys do you want to go through, (laughs) you know? What are you willing to let go of, Susan? You know, what is it in reality? You know, many of these people that travel the world that are evangelists, I mean, they've let go of a lot, haven't they? They let go of, you hear them talking, I mean, it's almost every earthly thing they've let go of. And there's a reason that they're seeing angels and having so many revelations and visitations to heaven. And it's just because they've let go more. They've learned, and, and trust me, they go through a lot of valleys. They didn't just get there. It didn't just happen, right? So we have to understand, you know, there's a reason that Jesus is sending us to the pasture is to help us grow. Um, the same with Paul. Paul, if he, if, if the apostle Paul didn't have the thorn in his side, he had more revelations than anyone that was around in his time, and it had been very easy for him to go into pride. I mean, you know, it was, he was constantly being stoned and shipwrecked and uh, beat upon, uh, thrown in prison. I mean, he had so many hard times that it humbled him. And we can be humbled in trials and tribulations, but we can be humbled in simple ways. Um, in, in my team of where I work, there's 45 of us agents. And, um, you know, I'm one of the ones that have been there longer. And so I know most of the answers when I go to a training. I, I still go with a mind that I can learn, but I still know, but I still go, okay? But we have another agent there who's amazing. And, I mean, I admire him. I mean, I, I'd never seen anybody like this man. I, it, it's just, it, it, it's mind-boggling to know a man that can do what he does. He's a genius. And 
the things that he does in a daytime to get a lead, he, just him telling me what he does to get his people and hold them on the books. And, you know, I told you what I do is I tithe, pray, be, pray, believe, receive, and praise. And he's out there. The way he works, it works for him, okay? But he's a believer. And I told him, you're being driven by the devil instead of being led by Jesus because you're, the devil's got you a mind that God could really use because you're a believer and you are too busy. And he goes, Susan, I'm so embarrassed and ashamed. I will never tell anybody. I have a file cabinet full of degrees, master's degrees, you know, professor's degrees, pilots, you name it. I got degrees that jumping off of helicopters, you name it. I can dive. I can do anything. And it's just like, I'm like a filing cabinet full of degrees. And we're not talking little certificates here. Do you see what I'm saying? Because that's the way his brain thinks. So anybody in one of our meetings can get humbled very easily, especially the new ones. It'll only take you one time for somebody there that's speaking to you to ask a question and you'll answer, you'll answer it. And then he'll go behind you and it's textbook perfect with the page number and he can tell you in seven languages. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, but something simple, do you see what I'm saying? Can humble you, can't it? I got it, I got it, I know it. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I mean, you sit there, do, do you see? We can be humbled. We can kind of be put in our place pretty quickly, can't we? Because it, it doesn't have to be a big trial, but it can really make you stop and think how easily you can be humbled. And I know it does me. I know that when I need that, that's a correction. You know, my hand doesn't get raised anymore. <laughs> I know better. Most of us know, Gus has got the answer. You know, he's got the answer. You know, he's an asset to the team. Just ask him, you know. <laughs> and he's just, he can't wait to get it out, okay? Um, but you see, what he doesn't know is what I can see is how the enemy, but, he, but you know what? is amazing. He's an amazing, caring person. But my boss told me he has more complaints about him than anybody on the team. You know what's sad? We all have our challenges. See, he has the knowledge and the caring and the dedication, but he doesn't have the temperance because his mind thinks, he says, I don't know how to fix stupid, Susan. Well, <laughs> he tells people this sometimes. He goes, this is what I tell them. I said, you can't tell somebody they're stupid. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, we all have our challenges, don't we? We all have different trials and tribulations. We all have different ways to be humbled. We all need to grow. So don't think, I mean, when I look at this man, I'm thinking, hey, you know, you got it all, right? We all have something to go through. It doesn't matter how hard you try. When I look at him, I see works, but I also know that the man has a heart of gold. It's just he has a hard time getting that love out. That's the thing that's not coming out through him. His mind is too brilliant, right? Um, so um, the reason that we have to go through this, because if you read Romans 5, 3 through 6, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, so there's a reason. We are going to grow from one step to the, to the next with each little valley that we go through. Um, as I, in the last couple of weeks, um, 
that ball I told you about, just going through the valleys, has just been a big thing in my heart. And another thing is servants. God's been just talking to me about servants. And of course, that's the same thing, you know, giving up and submitting. Can you see that? And when I read earlier, John uh, 5, 19, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatsoever things he does, there so also the Son does likewise. That's the greatest servant ever. I mean, not only did he lay his life down, but I mean, even his thoughts, his thoughts. Like, I can't even think without you, Father. You've got to give me the thoughts. You tell me what to say. You tell me what to do. So he's like the greatest servant ever that you could ever have. And it makes us realize what is a servant really. Because in the world, we don't think as a servant, as the leader. Matthew 23, 11 through 15. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is totally opposite of the world. You know, I was a waitress for 17 years. I started when I was 18. You know, it was my stepping stone to wherever. It was, I started out as a servant. I ended up in the Johns Island area, the Vero Beach area, is where I worked most of the time. And I didn't know the word real well, but I was a believer, and there was enough instilled into me. I loved my job. I mean, loved it. I smiled the whole time. People would give me the challenging people because I wanted a challenge. I could turn that frown upside down into a smile, you know? It was just, I didn't care. And if, if the single, lonely men, widowed men came in in a grouchy mood, it was always Susan gets them, and they became the ones that asked for me regularly. I don't, it was... It was a challenge to me. I don't know. I just loved it. But I would get intimidated. Well, I was talked to down many times by some people, like, you know, trying to intimidate me, humiliate me, make me think I was lower than them because of who they are, what they own, what they drive, whatever, just their, who they were, okay? But it never bothered me. I always, I mean, I just kept smiling through the whole thing, and I just loved it because inside of me, I just knew. I used to just sit there and talk to God. You know what? I'm doing the right thing. I just know I am. I just know that where you got me, I'm here for a reason. And I'm just loving it, even if somebody's thinking it's not good, you know? I knew who I was on the inside, and I knew who the person is that's intimidating me had a lot of... He needed to grow a lot. Do you understand? Because you don't need to be intimidated, a young person trying to raise their kids, and you know. And I knew that was all upside down. But we do look at the world as the ones that are in the servants, worldly-wise, as, like I thought, my stepping stones. But in God's kingdom, that's, you, you use the leadership job to get up to be in the servant. It's totally upside down. Because you're, you have to lower you go is the more God can exalt you. You've got to get down to that valley before he can exalt you. You have got to get... You know, what God was trying to teach me, it's about totally submitting and letting go of whatever it is. And it's mostly, even if you don't think you have pride, it's, it's the recognition. Outside, and this was another picture God gave me. Uh, I have a gazebo, and it has four legs. And, of course, a canvas covering. And when I think of this gazebo, it's the four legs that hold the covering up, isn't it? 
And when I look at the ministry that I have at the park, Mike and Jim and my husband have been there faithfully. We're going on six years now, every single week. Okay, I mean, I couldn't do it without my husband getting up before me every Friday, starting to cook and make the coffee. And, and Mike's out there speaking in tongues because we have, you know, demons trying to manifest every time the word comes out. The word wouldn't get out without it. And I mean, it's not just the Friday morning that they've laid down. It's, it's taking people to rehab with me, sitting afterwards and having prayers. During the week, somebody calling you, dropping off food to somebody, just other things. And it's not a It's not a real big full-time job, do you understand? But Mike and Jim and my dad don't get any recognition, do you understand? Everybody thinks it's Susan's ministry, all right? What what about so many people from the church, like Luann's been coming there, Marie and Joe, and we have all these other legs because some gazebos have eight eight legs. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? We have all these things, but in even so many different people in the church and out of the church that have supported it financially, they're all servers, they're all holding the covering up. Do you get it? Okay, so, and I can see how important that is because if everybody left, I'd be standing alone holding an umbrella and I'd be the only leg. You get it? And that would be very difficult because God didn't create Adam to do it all. There's a reason he created Eve, right? <laughs> Just like pastor, how many times do you hear him? I mean, every time he talks, he'll name four or five people and then the next time four or five because he's so grateful he couldn't run this without all these other people serving from their heart. It's your heart that you're giving. It's not the works because you can go down on the checklist and say, I'm going to do this and 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 I did, you know, I did my duty. But that's not it. It's where your heart is because if your heart isn't there, you haven't given anything to God. So it's not the works that you're giving to him. It's what you're giving up in your being, I don't know if I can say this in, in words. I don't know if I can say it in words enough to what I'm saying, but it's giving up everything else that tries to stop you from dominating. It's, it's everything that's trying to stop you from living your will and what you want to do to now walk into God's perfect will. Do you see that? And what I love about the, the, uh, the, the covering, that's Jesus, right? He's, he's my covering because I'm married to him. I mean, I was sitting right there in church about three or four years ago, and Jesus showed me this big, big, beautiful gold ring, with, and it was a big solitaire diamond on top, too. It was big. <laughs> it was beautiful. I thought, what's that? And he said, you're married to me, okay? He's my spiritual covering, okay? And my gazebo has another little roof on top. Do you know what I'm talking about, where it's vented? And that's the Father, because you got to go through Jesus's. <laughs> and I know, and when I realized that, but what's down below making it all work? Inside that gazebo is the Holy Spirit. You see how you can find the Trinity in everything, because it's the only way it will work. And it's the same way with any type of ministry, and it doesn't wear it, it no matter where it is. We all, if we want to be a servant to the Lord, which is the most important. If you want to be great in God's eyes, you got to go down low. You got to be willing to wash your disciples' feet, just like Jesus did. Okay? You got to be willing to give, give it all. Just like he gave he gave everything. He's the perfect example. I mean, what is the whole purpose of the good shepherd? Just giving his whole entire life, his day, his night, and Jesus even gives his thoughts. I'm not even going to think. 
you're going to do it all. You know, that's the way I like to think it. The Father's the thought, you know. Jesus speaks it, and the Holy Spirit does it. So he's even given up his thought process. All he does is, yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you see, so it, it's amazing to me how when we can learn to give more that way and get weak, just like Paul kept getting weaker and weaker and weaker through all his tribulations, but it kept all the pride. He was constantly humbled, wasn't he? He was pushed down to where he was humbled. And because if, if, if you received all those kind of revelations, it, it would be hard not to kind of build a little bit of pride up here. We're human, right? <laughs> so anyways, um, I just wanted to share a few, thing, a few things that I thought were interesting. I pulled up some worldly people and then a couple biblical ones, but it's about not getting stuck in that valley, about realizing what your valley is for. Your valley is to grow so that you can climb the next mountain higher, and you got to realize it. Walt Disney was fired from Kansas City Star because his editor said he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> That's just hilarious. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I have a, a biography, a very old one on Walt Disney, and but for those of you that are my age, Walt Disney was different than Disney is now. I mean, before the cartoons or the shows came on, he would talk. And the man was a, a very loving, kind man. And he had a vision and a dream. And it was to bring joy and happiness to families. And that's what his vision was about. Uh, Colonel Sanders was 62, and he lived on a Social Security check of $105. He got rejected 1,009 times before anybody would help um, give him a loan to get, to get his restaurant started a thousand and nine times okay when we think we have to go through tr trials but they kept you know they kept going and kept going so they could climb that next mountain albert einstein was four years old before he spoke nine years old before he spoke fluently and he at 16 he passed he failed his examination to get into the swiss federal polytechnic school <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was defeated eight times before he, before he was elected president. I mean, think about it. You know, they didn't give up. They kept going. They kept going. I like what Michael Jordan said. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've, I've lost over 300 games. 26 times I've trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed it. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. You see that attitude? It's different than so many attitudes. You know, how many times have we tried something two or three times and given up, right? Thomas Edison says, I have not failed 10,000 times. I have not failed once. I have succeeded in proving that those 10,000 ways will not work, and when I've eliminated the ways that won't work, I will find the way that does. He, in another place, he says, I have just proved that there's 10,000 steps to create the light bulb. <laughs> See, it's just the way you look at it, isn't it? It is. And if you think about Jonah, I mean, you know, he, didn't, he wasn't ready to give up and to do what God wanted him to do. You know, God needed to use him, and he just didn't want to do it. So he's going to run from him. Well, you know, he had to be eaten by a fish, go to hell, and come back. And now he's going, okay, you know, I went through this valley, I've done enough. What do you want from me? I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we have to go there. We have to kind of experience to, to get that out. And Moses, here's what it says. He, he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds when he was 40 years old. 
And it came into his heart to visit the brethren and the children of Israel. Well, God couldn't use him until he was 80. 80. 40 more years went by. He was mighty in his words and deeds. Why didn't he use him when he was young, had energy, before, he's, before he had to spend 40 more years in the wilderness? Do you know what I mean? We have to go through these valleys and let go of some stuff and leave it down in the valley if we want to have the strength to climb back up. And, and this is why we get let out of that sheepfold. Um, this is interesting. Um, Matthew 3, uh, 3, 16 through 17. Uh, these scriptures here, pastor was speaking on Sunday and he was speaking these scriptures and I already had them written down, you know, and this has happened to me so many times. He'll tell you that I've, it's like, but that's because it's the Holy Spirit. You know, why do we get amazed? I don't know. I still always do. But this time I'm going to go over them again because if God keeps giving me the same scriptures he's given him, why am I leaving them out? You know? I know that I need to hear something at least three times before it sinks in my brain, you know? Like I tell my boss, I'm not Gus, you know? <laughs> That's my answer. I'm not Gus. Every time they ask me a question, I'll tell you what I am, but I'm not Gus, you know? I don't have any of the stats, okay? It takes me a while. I got to learn. I get the CDs. I listen three times, six times, eight times, and it sinks in. And so there's a reason that the Holy Spirit sometimes wants us to hear something more than once. Um, maybe, maybe it's a confirmation for you. Maybe there's something that fits a different person that's here that wasn't here Sunday, right? We, we never know. And so Jesus, when he was baptized, went straight up out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Where's he at? I need you saying that one. I mean, if you could just say, <laughs> this is my... <laughs> Ever since Pastor told me, your voice does sound like if you said, this is my beloved son, and I am well pleased, it would sound like it was coming out audible, right, from heaven, right? Okay. (laughs) There you go. Now we got it. Okay, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Okay, I want you to open your Bible up if you have this one to Matthew 4, 1 through 11, because I want you to show you something out of here. Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay, before I go any farther, he was just baptized. Where did God send him? To the valley. Immediately. I mean, he was just filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you think he has to, he, he should know? What, he hasn't sinned. He's, he's lived 30 years. He just got the Holy Spirit, got all the power and all the authority. Don't you think he should be able to just go out and start healing and delivering, <laughs> right? God sent him out to the valley immediately to be tempted to the wilderness. Do you get it? Even Jesus, immediately. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered and when the tempter came to him and he said if thou be the son of god now i was listening to benny hen and i i agree with him because this is how i would have said this is how i would have responded didn't you just hear my father he spoke it out of heaven didn't you hear he say that i'm the beloved son wouldn't you say that wouldn't you say that to satan that's what i would have said he didn't say that 
You see, he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Okay? Then if you look down to chapter 6, if thou be the son of God, you go down on verse 7, it is written again. And then you go down a little bit further, you're looking on verse 10. And he says, if thou wilt fall down and worship me, and then Jesus said to him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt not worship the Lord thy God. You know what? This really taught me something. Because I have some visions that, like short little visions and stuff God gave me. And when Satan's talking in my ear, I throw those visions back in his mouth. I just speak it out into the air. I throw the visions out. And now I realize your experiences don't mean anything to Satan. If they didn't mean anything to Jesus and God was speaking it audibly out of the heaven, it took the written word. See, he's a legalist. This really taught me something right here. I mean, right there alone, you got to have some scriptures. you got to have some scriptures. You better get them under your belt. And you better be speaking them out. Because it's not your experiences. And I didn't know that. I didn't, you know, this was a revelation to me. Because, you know, when I'm fighting my spiritual warfare, I'm thinking I'm getting somewhere. But if, if Jesus didn't do it, there's a reason. Right? Get some scriptures under you. Get some scriptures and know how to fight your battles. Okay, it, it's definitely going to make a difference. Um, Acts 6.4 is the next one. Um, I can read it to you. But we will give ourselves... This, this is the one, this scripture right here. Pastor Tom said on Sunday, there's four verses here that in the beginning you said that stuck to you in his life and that means the most to him and it, he's dedicated for, I'm kind of putting my own words in there, however he said it. But however you said it, I'm like, I want to see these four scriptures. I want to see what four scriptures in this word made him decide to be, he's the man he is, that he wanted to give his life to lay it down, right? And, and the last one says, but when we give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see, he's a servant. He's totally laid down to be a servant, okay? And it, I remember like the first year I was here, you said, if you come to me for marriage counseling, I'm going to get the both of you in there and I'm going to give you the word. If you come to me for addiction, I'm going to get you in there. I'm going to give you the word. If you come to me for a work problem, I'm going to get you in there and I'm going to give you the word. And that's exactly, exactly what the scripture says. And, you know, we are very blessed that we can sit under somebody that's given us the word instead of man's opinion. Because for one thing, even if your experiences don't mean anything to Satan, but the word does, okay? So it is, the word is the answer. And if you're not going to be a servant, and I hope when I'm saying the word servant, you understand I'm not talking about works here. I'm talking laying down, you know, it, it, it's, it's about you just giving your life up. To, you're, you're willing to die like the shepherd does okay, to where you're willing to, death isn't going to be bothering you anymore. And if you're faced with death, it's going to be a blessing because you're going to be with the Lord. We need to understand that, right? Death is just being with Christ. Um, 
Mark 10, 43 through 44, but so shall it not be among you, but whosoever be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever shall be the chiefest among you shall be your servant of all. Uh, That scripture is in there three times in the Bible. I read it up earlier. But so minister there in the Greek is servant, and servant there is uh, more almost like a slave. But chiefest is first amongst all. So it, it's like the, the more you want to climb up the mountain, the more you have to give almost to being a slave. And I, you know, these aren't my words, but God's trying to say that's when some people, like Jesus, gave up everything in his life. He just, he gave it all up 100%. And so it's really up to us to how high we want to climb with the Lord. And... You know, remember when I told you last week that in the flock of sheep that there's always a few goats because the goats rebel and they don't listen. But they can never have a lot of goats in the flock because they do, if they do, it turns chaotic. Well, that's the same amongst us, right? It's the same amongst us because who we hang out with, we can, even though a sheep can't be a goat, a goat can't be a sheep. All right? But a sheep can act like a goat. You get a lot of goats around them, and a sheep's going to act like a goat. Right? So it's up to us to be a sheep, to realize that we, you know, we are guarded in our cave at night. We can be in the sheepfold in the day, but we are going to be led into that pasture. And it's up to us what are we going to act like? And are you going to be the wandering sheep? Are you going to be on the outskirts where you're vulnerable? Or are you going to stay tight within the, the flock? Because when danger comes, the sheep flock tight together because they know their safety in numbers. They immediately do right just like this. It's the ones on the outskirts that the enemy gets. And that's a wandering believer. That's a wandering sheep. The lost sheep is when they've gone way out to where they have to go to find them. All right? And... That's what the lost sheep and when the pastor leaves in 99. That's another thing we're so blessed here. I mean, I remember when my sister was passing, you know, he was there two hours for me and you guys were already here in church. And he's like, I texted Latasha and told her to be prepared if I'm not there. And I'm going, what? I mean, and you know, it's just like, yeah, come on, Susan, we're going to speak in tongues. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like sometimes whatever's going on around you, you have to stop and decide to do God's will. And it, it, sometimes it's not what you think you would do, but you just have to be led by the Spirit. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to be a sheep and act like a sheep. <laughs> and now I've learned that, I, that my years in being a servant was a training for me to be a servant. <laughs> so, so that's all I have for you guys. And thank you. <laughs> For listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.